Well, the LGBTQs went way too far and the parents are pissed, people. Parents are fighting the power nationwide as they protest against school boards that are not allowing them the ability to know what their children are being taught. And in some cases, not even allowing them to opt their own children out of being taught gender ideology. This seems to be a part of the increasing wave of Americans pushing back against the forced education and lies being pushed on us by our government. Tucker Carlson also made his reemergence back onto Twitter and his first show back garnered over 80 million views in under 24 hours. Many are calling this a death blow to the mainstream media. I'm calling it a big win for free speech as independent media continues to grow in popularity and uh, government power continues to be threatened every single day. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Now, you guys didn't hear from me for three weeks, so I had to hit you guys with two episodes in one. So thank you for hanging out with me. Sorry, the show's a little bit earlier than normal. But uh, great to be here with you guys. I had to do another show this week because we had three separate instances of parents from the East Coast to the West Coast pushing back against Pride Month. All right. It's parents versus predators in the streets at this point, my friends. And Pride Month just went way too far. And the parents are absolutely pissed off. You know, people always say, don't mess with the mama bear because uh, she'll tear your face off. And that's exactly what we're seeing from mothers across the U.S. whose children are being targeted. So we're going to be getting into all of that tonight. But of course, before we jump all the way in, please remember that, uh, you guys are the sponsors of this show, and I thank every single one of you who has been supportive, whether that's with a like, a share, a comment on Apple Podcasts, or even subscribing to my subscribe star. The link is down below. This is one of the best ways to uh, monetarily support the show every single month. So if you guys feel inclined to do so, the link to that is down below or the easiest and freest way to support the show as well is by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star review. It helps us to grow in the charts, my friends. And I also like reading all of your comments. Also, sometimes liberals go on there and try to bring down my ratings by saying that I'm a hateful white supremacist bigot. Uh, so uh, go leave a five-star review if you like the show to go and comment combat that. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump straight in because we have a lot of news to get to today, starting off with the fact that our man Tucker Carlson is back. He made his reemergence on Twitter last night and dropped episode one of Tucker on Twitter, which you are seeing on screen now. And I have to admit to you guys, I was accidentally fake news. I opened up this show and said that he was over 80 million views, but I'm looking at the updated numbers right here and he's actually at almost 91 million. So apologies there's, there, guys. Uh, I won't pull the CNN on you and, you know, lie to you, reverse the statistics, give you false numbers. So let me just correct the record there so uh, you all know that I can be trusted our boy Tucker Carlson now at almost 91 million views. And of course, Fox News has already come out in less than 24 hours and said that this was a breach of contract. Now, a lot of us were wondering why we didn't hear from Tucker Carlson. And it was because uh, a lot of people were speculating that he was in a non-compete with Fox News, meaning he couldn't go and work for another broadcast company and he couldn't have a show. However, some people were saying, hey, I bet you that Twitter 
would be a good way for him to circumvent that. So he released his first show. It was wildly successful, as you guys can see here. Hasn't even been up. Actually, I do believe it has been up for 24 hours at this point, and it has amassed 91 million views, over 700,000 likes. Uh, we had quite a few people responding to this and saying that this is the new media, right? We kind of talked about this a little bit on the last show about how this is Twitter 2.0, about how the independent media is absolutely taking over and obliterating the old uh, prehistoric mainstream media that was allowed to control that narrative for us for so many years. It's done with, it's over with. And uh, it was great to see the commentary from some of our favorites regarding Tucker's release of his first episode. Um, this comes from Cat Turd, who has over 1.7 million followers on Twitter. Uh, he said, good morning to everyone, especially Tucker Carlson for breaking Twitter with now over 50 million views and talking truth to power. He tweeted this this morning. Uh, so this morning it was at 50 million, has amassed another 40 million views since that time frame. This is the future of media. The mainstream Democrat aligned propaganda media is done. You had end wokeness saying 34 million views in six hours for Tucker Carlson's first episode on Twitter. 177 million views for what is a woman documentary on Twitter. Meanwhile, while Fox, CNN, and MSNBC can barely break 2 million on primetime television. So you know what? The new age of media is here, and it's absolutely just chef's kiss. Beautiful to see um, from, you know, Tim Pool to the Alex Joneses to the Tucker Carlson's now on Twitter. It is such an incredible platform. Uh, but of course, you had the haters coming in and having to say that Tucker Carlson, it really wasn't that successful, guys. Like 91 million views is not that many. It's just not even that impressive. Our favorite hater, Taylor Lorenz of the Washington Post. She's a professional complainer. For those of you who don't know who she is, she gets paid to stalk people professionally and try to ruin their careers. And then she got so roasted by everybody with common sense and two brain cells that was like, yo, bro, you're a professional bully who just cries. And then if anybody pushes back um, against you attacking them, you block them and you cry on television and paint yourself as the victim. Uh, Taylor Lorenz, came forward and said, it's wild to see what a fish out of water he is on the internet regarding Tucker Carlson. No jump cuts, no background music, no catchy thumbnail or video title. Not sure how he's even going to stack up against an average streamer or YouTuber. That's how she actually talks, you guys. I'm not even giving her the liberal voice. Uh, she's annoying as hell. Uh, so... She, Taylor Lorenz, of course, comes forward and has to be a hater. Uh, we saw a lot of this from the left wing being like, oh, so sad to see that Tucker has just been reduced to posting on Twitter. And then uh, he, he amassed 91 million views. Um, this was from noon yesterday. OK, yeah, the date on that is weird. But basically, um, the person who posted this had, you know, circled that at the point of this being posted, uh, he was at almost 32 million views. And now that has skyrocketed all the way up to 91 million. But yes, let's go ahead and listen to the liberal mainstream media. Tell us about how what an epic failure this was for Tucker Carlson. Uh, we also had uh, Matthew Gertz. I believe he is a writer for uh, Media Matters for America because, you know, that's a super important organization. Uh, another set of grown adults who are professional stalkers. That's just that's actually a job description now in the modern day. Um, so Matthew Gertz writes, 
big 24 hours for Twitter anti-Semitism. And he writes an article about Tucker's piece and says Fox News and Tucker Carlson both lose after his firing. And apparently in this article, Matthew Gertz tried to say that Tucker Carlson was anti-Semitic because in his first segment back, he criticized Jewish Ukrainian President Zelensky. Hmm. Very anti-Semitic. And it's just so funny that, you know, Zelensky being a Jew is brought up when um, we keep seeing uh, stories about Ukrainian soldiers wearing Nazi patches coming up. And it's like the left, the little left wing media here in the United States just kind of continues to overlook that. And not only that, but tries to write it off as Russian propaganda and say that that's not happening when in reality there are Ukrainian soldiers that are neo-Nazis and um, going back to Twitter 2.0 and the beautiful fact checks that we now get from them the New York Times tried to post the decision by some Ukrainian soldiers to wear patches with Nazi icons threatens to reinforce Russian propaganda used to justify the invasion it also could give the symbols mainstream life after the West's decades long effort to eliminate them so the New New York Post coming in being a good show for Ukraine saying that, yeah, this is Russian propaganda. And then we get that fact check in there that says, uh, yeah, Ukraine's neo-Nazi and ultra-nationalist regime has been well-documented and acknowledged even prior to the Russian invasion. And discarding it as Russian propaganda is disingenuous. Ukraine has a history of neo-Nazi involvement, which is well-established. And then they actually do link to Wikipedia there, but they also link to Reuters, Al Jazeera, The Guardian. And then um, we had this other guy on Twitter who quote tweeted his... The, quote tweeted this with the Anti-Defamation League, okay, the ADL considered the Totenkopf a common hate symbol, uh, but Jake Hyman, a spokesperson for the group, said it was impossible to make an inference about the wear or the Ukrainian army based on the patch. Uh, so really interesting here to see how people are trying to, you know, come in and uh, try to justify these uh, neo-Nazi patches. And now you have people in the left-wing media as well uh, stating that you cannot criticize Zelensky because if you do, well, he's Jewish and that's anti-Semitic. Meanwhile, he has uh, neo-Nazis fighting in his army, but we're all supposed to overlook that. A quick update on what's happening in uh, Russia and Ukraine as well. Um, from the Washington Post, apparently U.S. had intelligence of a detailed Ukrainian plan to attack the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, Discord leaks. The CIA learned last June via a European spy agency that a six-person team of Ukrainian special operations forces intended to sabotage the Russia to Germany natural gas project. And then the Nord Stream pipeline blew up. And nobody knows still to this day who blew it up. But I guess the U.S. intelligence knew that Ukraine planned to blow it up. Interesting. Yeah, let's all just overlook that. Uh, by the way, there was also uh, a dam in, I believe, southern Ukraine that was recently blown up uh, last night. Uh, this caused intense environmental damage and a lot of people asking, who did it? Was it Russia? Was it Ukraine? So, um a lot of tensions continuing to rise over in that region. Just a quick update on what is going on over there. And uh, like I said, it's just absolutely hilarious to me that um, the liberal media in the U.S. continues to show for Ukraine and say that uh, they're the innocent victims in all of this while simultaneously overlooking uh, NATO expansionism onto Russia's border. I mean, you know, I have discussed the U.S. funded biolabs on the border of 
Ukraine and Russia that Russia had also called out. And that was disinformation until our own U.S. government came out and was like, yeah, that's happening. But also, like, let's just ignore it. Uh, you can't talk about the neo-Nazis over there. You can't talk about the Ukrainian corruption. You can't talk about anything that's anti-Ukraine in 2023. Um, just kidding. Actually, you can, because like I said, we have Twitter 2.0 that is coming in. And we now have the ability to tell the truth on various platforms. So if YouTube silences us, we can go to Rumble. We can go to Twitter. If Instagram tries to delete you or Facebook tries to delete you, you can go to Twitter. And it is, as you guys can see by a lot of these numbers, a very thriving platform. Uh, again, the Daily Wire last week put out their entirety of the What is a Woman documentary. This was an hour and a half long. OK, this wasn't a two minute clip viral clip. This was an hour and a half long documentary and it amassed almost 180 million views since being put on Twitter. So huge death blow to the mainstream media. We absolutely love to see it. Um, before we move on to Pride Month news. Uh, I saw this tweet from Senk Uger of the Young Turks, and he said, CNN believes that journalists should be neutral. That has two enormous problems. It's boring and hence the terrible ratings. But much more importantly, it's the wrong standard. Journalists aren't supposed to advocate for the midpoint between two political parties. They're supposed to advocate for the truth. And it's so funny to me because one, CNN does not believe that their journalists should be neutral. Their journalists have never been neutral. Uh, he goes on to talk about how journalists need to be objective, but not neutral. Um, but at what point has CNN ever truly told us the truth about any story? We clowned them back in 2020 for their fiery, but mostly peaceful narrative. We have made fun, like CNN has been a focal point of the fake news mainstream media because of how often they have peddled lies. I mean, they tried to slander Nick Sandman and Kyle Rittenhouse as white supremacists, neo-Nazis. Um, again, the fiery but mostly peaceful protests. They uh, continue to spread a lot of those BLM lies that we saw back in 2020. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you know what? I actually have a CNN article that we'll be referencing in our show today. And with... 30 seconds of the least energy that I had to exert, I was able to debunk the position that they utilized uh, because apparently the LGBTQ uh, community is in a state of emergency per CNN. Now, um, I just want to give you guys a live look at that state of emergency. This is uh, the Rockefeller Center in New York City, my friends. As you guys can see, the LGBTQ community is severely oppressed. Um, that is why there are pride flags that have replaced the flags of different countries at Rockefeller Center in New York City. So live look at what that area looks like um, in <laughs> in New York, okay? The most oppressed people in the world have their flag uh, flying overhead. And I was actually on my good friend uh, Kyle Serafin's show today, um, shared that link on my Twitter. I'll post it up here as well if you guys would like to go watch it. But I was telling him how the United States has been conquered by the LGBTQ cult, if you will. Every single Pride Month, you have the Pride flag flying over our government institutions in Washington, D.C. You can go to D.C. right now and over our government buildings, you will have pride flags flying. And if, you know, your flag is flying over government buildings and over or in place of other nations' flags, uh, that signals to me that said 
organization said whatever you want to call them has conquered your nation. So that's very much what it feels like. Now, going into CNN, they put out this article yesterday, my friends. And it's just a horrible state of emergency right now. Um, apparently, a human rights campaign has declared a national state of emergency for LGBTQ plus people. Very dangerous time. Okay. So per CNN, for the first time in its four-decade history, America's largest lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer civil rights organization has declared a national state of emergency for members of the LGBTQ community. So apparently they're living in a state of emergency. Uh, the multiplying threats facing millions in our community are not just perceived. They are real, tangible, and dangerous. So this is coming from the group's president. And of course, um, you know, they give the example that many cases are resulting in violence against the LGBTQ people, forcing families to uproot their lives and flee their homes in search of safer states, triggering a tidal wave of increased homophobia and transphobia that puts the safety of each and every one of us at risk. Now, I just want to highlight here that um, somebody saying something that hurts your feelings is not dangerous to you. It's called free speech. Um People have threatened violence against me and they do so every single day on Twitter. And uh, guess what? That's a uh, part of my life in the public community. And I'm not saying that the trans community or the LGBTQ community should have to deal with that type of stuff. But it's also like, if I tell you that I don't want my child to learn LGBTQ education, that's not a danger to you. That's not violence. And remember that the entire ideology of this community is that words are violence, that if you disagree with them in any way, shape or form, that's violence and it's harming them. That if you don't agree with them and their delusions and you don't do exactly what they say, that's violence and you're harming them. Now, funniest part of this article is that... Um, talk about the Pulse Gay nightclub shooting that happened in Florida. They say years after 49 people were killed at the Pulse Gate nightclub in Florida, Club Q in Colorado in November became the site of a massacre at a beloved LGBTQ safe space. And so I was like, yeah, let me look into the Pulse Gate nightclub shooting because, uh, you know, if we are declaring a state of emergency for the gays, like they must just be living in such a horrible state of fear. And then I found this article from The Intercept and it says, as the trial of Omar Mateen's wife begins, new evidence undermines beliefs about the Pulse massacre including the motive. Interesting. So if we read into this article, it says newly released evidence today calls into serious doubt many of the most widespread beliefs about the 2016 shooting by Omar Mateen at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, which killed 49 people, along with Mateen himself. Because the attack occurred on the club's Latin night, the overwhelming majority of the victims were Latinos, primarily Puerto Ricans. In particular, Mateen went to Pulse only after having scouted other venues that night that were wholly unrelated to the LGBTQ community, only to find that they were too defended by armed guards and police, and ultimately chose Pulse only after a generic Google search for Orlando nightclubs, not gay clubs, produced Pulse as the first search result. Several journalists closely covering the Mateen investigation have for some time now noted the complete absence of any evidence suggesting that Mateen knew that Pulse was a gay club or that targeting the LGBTQ community was a part of his motive. These doubts have been strongly fortified by the new facts previously under seal that were revealed by today's court filing. So I found this article in literally like 0.5 seconds of Googling the Pulse nightclub. I didn't even uh, like... Google anything regarding like the truth about the Pulse nightclub. I was just like, 
Pulse nightclub gay shooting. And that was one of the first articles to come up. So it is 2023. That article was written back, I believe it said in 2018. And CNN is still running with this fake narrative that the Pulse nightclub was targeted because the attendees of the club were gay. When the journalist following the case said, yeah, there's no evidence at all stating that this was uh, a targeted shooting because these people were part of the LGBTQ community. But that's CNN for you. Now, another interesting thing that is happening and that, you know, oftentimes we're going to hear from the left is an example of uh, the reason why the LGBTQ community is living in a state of emergency is because people like Elliot Page, formerly Ellen Page, uh, she played Juno in this movie about a you know teen pregnancy, probably one of her most popular roles. Now, Elliot Page uh, revealed chilling transphobic attack outside of an L.A. hotel. I'm going to effing gay bash you, you F word. So apparently um, Ellen Page was outside of a convenience store in Los Angeles and a, a man yelled at him. I'm going to effing gay bash you, you F word in Los Angeles. Now, the only way I could believe this story is um, that everybody in Los Angeles gets violently threatened because there's a big uh, fentanyl epidemic over there. There's a big homeless epidemic over there. There's a big mental health issue crisis in that entire state that is fueled by the drug crisis. So people over there are just crazy and they'll scream at you and they'll threaten you as you're walking past. I've gone and I've interviewed people in LA that are like, yeah, homeless people just chase you with sticks here and they'll yell slurs at you. So this could have happened to Elliot Page, but to be quite honest, I don't think it was a targeted attack. I think that California is crazy and they enable people to be crazy on their streets. They allow the homeless to threaten people with zero repercussion. And this is just the state of Los Angeles. Also, I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't really feel like this is uh, even accurate because guess what? Elliot Page has a new book that just dropped. And uh, what garners good PR? Better than a chilling transphobic attack, my friends. Now, the real attack in this country is on parents. It's not the gay community. It's not the trans community. The worst thing that is happening to these people is that um, common sense individuals are coming forward and saying, yeah, we're not going to allow you to trans our kids. We're not going to allow you to indoctrinate our kids. We're not going to allow you to expose our kids to your genitalia or to your BDSM in, you know, the daylight because that's weird. And, and we don't want our kids exposed to that. And like I said previously, uh, words are violence to these people. And it's harm, and that's why they've declared, declared a state of emergency. But the real people under attack in this country are parents. Now, there were three separate protests by parents nationwide against what is happening because our schools have been so infiltrated, and parents don't even have the ability to parent their own children anymore. It's ridiculous. So we're going to start out in the Satakoy Elementary School in Los Angeles. Um, Anthony Cabasas, he's one of my good friends. He was interviewing uh, Armenian-American organizers. This was last week. They were protesting outside of the Satakoy Elementary School in Los Angeles over LGBTQ plus pride curriculum. So this is what one of the moms had to say. There's also state senators here that are supporting them, calling you guys uh, phobics and homophobes and slandering. What do you? How do you respond to that? 
when it comes to the kids we draw the line. Our our issue isn't with the LGBT community, our issue is with LAUSD, that is all. Our message is to keep it out of elementary schools. LAUSD needs to do a better job at protecting our kids. LAUSD needs to do a better job at listening to the parents and the constituents and the taxpayers. So that last part is very important. LAUSD needs to do a better job of listening to the parents because right now there is a big movement, especially in California, for LGBTQ curriculum that does not need to be taught to children uh, being forced into schools. It is now a part of the curriculum and parents are like, yeah, I want to know what my child is being taught. And there's a big movement right now by school boards to keep to keep parents in the dark. So it's a big issue right now. Um, we also had Muslims and Islamists who gathered on Tuesday to protest the Montgomery County School Board. This is in Maryland over their LGBTQ plus curriculum. Uh, the Muslims want to be able to remove their children from the classroom when the material is is taught. This is coming from Andy No, who shared this. Hey, you guys. So I'm here in Montgomery County, Maryland, and you can hear the noise is loud, right? What's happening here? The woke army is dead. The woke army is not alive anymore because what has happened is they came after the kids. And so I don't agree with the religious interpretation of many people within the conservative Muslim community, but what I do believe in is parental rights. And I want you to meet some of the people here. You can see it's a diverse crowd of many people from around So there you guys go. That was in Maryland. And those were Muslim parents there. It was actually a very diverse crowd that were pushing back. And the woman that's actually filming this video is herself like a classical liberal, if you will, or she's more progressive. Um, so it's very interesting uh, because now that children are being targeted, just like this parent started off her video with, like, look, we don't all agree religiously, culturally. But what we do agree on is that we should have the ability to parent our own children. So parents nationwide getting extremely upset. Uh, here's some more B-roll as well uh, from that event. Hey guys, so I'm here. Sorry, wrong clip. Hang on. So here is uh, more B-roll of that. And you have a huge group of these Muslim parents that are chanting, protect our children, protect our children. Uh, they want to be able to opt out of these classes. They don't want their children to be forced into this. They want to know what their children are learning. So there's a big uprising going on right now because parents are getting pissed off and the pride community and the government severely overplayed their hand by trying to infiltrate the family and take over children's education against parents' wills. Now, 
things are starting to get violent. And in uh, Glendale, California, okay, this was another protest. You had Armenian parents who got pissed off because they were Antifa types. Uh, They were protesting the same thing. They were protesting the LGBTQ pride agenda at their school. And Antifa was there uh, from the post-millennial violence between Antifa and parents erupts in Glendale, California, outside school board meeting over LGBT pride agenda. And I'm just going to play some of that B-roll of the crowd there of a lot of those tensions rising um, because parents had attended the meeting to demand transparency of curriculum of what their children were being taught. And of course, the Glendale school board refused to provide it. A Glendale mom who was inside the meeting told the Post Millennial that the school board refused to engage with the parents. And instead of dealing with parents and giving the information parents have rightly demanded, they paraded a section, a selection of uninformed local officials who had no idea what was going on or what the issues were. So then the uh, Armenian American men began fighting with Antifa and far-left protesters outside of this school board meetings because the immigrant families were extremely upset that uh, elementary schools are doing pride events and Antifa was there to oppose the parents and uh, they got their asses handed to them. Here's uh, another clip of what happened. So the Armenian parents not messing around making very clear where they stand on this issue. They're not going to allow these adults that are coming in, trying to impose on their children. They're, they're not going to allow that to happen anymore. Um, so again, these were Antifa and supporters of the Children's Pride event um, that was outside of the Satakoy Elementary School in Los Angeles. And you had those Armenian American families protesting against this. So this is going to be really interesting to see because you know that the um, progressive left wing is all about diversity and inclusion. How are they going to spin this now that it's Armenians that are fighting back against this, that it's Muslims that are fighting back against this. Okay. These are the minority communities that they propose to fight for that we're supposed to be listening to, but what's happening um, now that these parents are pushing back, they are being labeled ultra MAGA white supremacist Trump supporters, violently attacking pro LGBT demonstrators outside of a Glendale, California school board meeting. And then that lovely fact check comes in and Twitter says there's no indication that any of the protesters were white supremacists or Trump supporters. And that is the narrative that we are going to see ahead of 2024. The left wing is going to try to now paint these minority parents angry that they are being left out of parenting their own children as ultra MAGA white supremacist Trump supporters that are attacking the LGBTQ community. And it gets better. We also have Alejandro Caraballo, who is one of the loudest trans voices of disinformation on Twitter who says violent far-right anti-LGBT extremists viciously attacked LGBTQ parents outside of a Glendale, California school board meeting about recognizing June as Pride Month, month, which by the way, um, LGBTQ parents, that's really interesting. Is there any proof that any of the Antifa members were, were parents? Also, Um, I believe that there's probably a 
bigger crowd of uh, straight parents than there are LGBTQ parents since, you know, two men or two women can't procreate together. So I would imagine the truth of this matter, even though Alejandra would have you think the opposite, was that Antifa was there to agitate and they were there to go stand up for trans rights. And these parents got pissed off and said, yeah, no, stay out of our kids' lives. Stay out of our kids' education. We're not putting up with it. We're not going to be bullied. And they don't play around. I mean, you know, one of my other favorite clips was that Antifa went up to a big group of Cholo Hispanics in freaking Los Angeles. And they were trying to shut them down because the the Hispanic dudes, like big dudes, were just trying to protest. I think they were protesting for Trump that day, but they were like waving American flags. And Antifa tried to come in and shut them down. And they got they got their um, asses beat, to put it lightly. So Antifa is going to learn very quickly that these parents are not going to be messing around, that they're not going to put up with their BS. And the reason why parents are getting so upset and they don't want their children targeted with this is because it is such a prevalent thing. And uh, we are seeing, you know, this is a narrative that I have continued to see pushed, which I think is a really interesting angle to the trans discussion especially in regards to children. Uh, this was posted by the redheaded libertarian on Twitter, and she just posted a screenshot of this. But again, go and look into this yourself because it actually is quite a big issue that um, a lot of people in the trans community are not touching in on. Uh, horrifying, a huge proportion of children pursuing gender transitions are actually autistic, experts believe. Transgender individuals are about three to six times more likely to be autistic than non-transgender people, research shows. The connection between transgenderism and autism has been a subject of interest for researchers since at least 2010. And the Gender Development Identity Service at Tavistock, the world's largest pediatric gender clinic, came under fire in recent years over allegations that as many as 97.5% of its gender patients had autism. Dr. Susan Bradley, a Canadian psychiatrist and pioneer in treating gender dysphoria, told the DCNF that she now believes most pediatric gender patients are actually on the autism spectrum and are being exploited by medical professionals. So there's one example of uh, children being exploited and uh, the medical community coming in and exploiting, um, you know, already mentally at risk individuals. Now, Matt Walsh and the Daily Wire also put this out today. Very interesting. Uh, breaking the largest trans healthcare provider in the U.S. is rubber stamping letters approving gruesome life altering surgeries. He's talking about gender transition surgery here. It's such a racket that my producer was approved for testicle remover removal in 22 minutes. The tape is disturbing. And then Matt Walsh goes on to detail how uh, Ari Groner, a licensed clinical social worker who educates doctor on trans health care at a recent training session for the Juniper Center. Uh, she explained that she writes whatever letters her patient wants because she's not a gatekeeper. And apparently these transgender patients have to um, essentially get this letter before undergoing surgery. It's a requirement of gender transition surgery, um, but this um, educator on trans health care is telling her audience to treat the letters as a persuasive essay and to greenlight even suicidal patients. She explains that insurance companies won't pay for these surgeries unless the patient is diagnosed with gender dysphoria. So she says healthcare workers should provide the diagnosis or using that diagnosis, she says, to ensure clients get that necessary treatment. So um, 
very interesting that these educators are telling doctors to basically take that shortcut and uh, immediately say that their transgender patients have gender dysphoria so that we, the insurance will pay out and pay for their gender transition surgery. And then uh, again, Matt Walsh's own producer was on the phone um, with, again, one of these uh, largest trans healthcare providers. They're selling these letters for $150 authorizing these surgeries. And his producer didn't try to pass off as a woman, said that he wasn't even experiencing gender dysphoria for more than six months. And in 22 minutes was able to receive approval to remove his testicles. So there you guys go. Um, another example about how the medical industry cares about everybody so much. Um, they're definitely not trying to profit off of mentally at-risk people. They're not trying to uh, profit off of people who, uh, yeah, are already in a vulnerable position. They definitely care about your health, about your mental health, about your physical health, which is why they're selling uh, letters for $150 so you can chop off your genitals if you so see fit. Welcome to the medical industry in 2023. And that's what children are being targeted with as well. Um, you know, you might read that story and be like, oh, well, that's just for adults. Where do you think the next natural progression of this leads to? Children will be next. Parents will utilize this same type of uh, program to get those letters for their children. And then their children will be sterilized for the rest of their life. Absolutely heartbreaking. But it's not all bad, my friends, because we do have the parents pushing back. And uh, per the post-millennial, Louisiana Congress passes bill to ban sex changes for minors with a veto-proof majority. Uh, so the Louisiana Senate passed HB 648 in a 29 to 10 vote on Monday. The bill bans puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgery for minors. However, the bill is expected to be vetoed by Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards. However, HB 648 passed with veto-proof majorities in both legislative chambers. The Senate requires 26 votes in favor to override a veto, and the House requires 70 votes to override a veto. So some positive news there um, at the forefront, and we'll see what ends up happening with this, but we, we are continuing to see more states stand up and push back against this. And it, it is because of the targeting of children. Parents are, are getting tired of it. Um, just to give you guys another example of not only how out of control the education system has got, but also the control and manipulation of our language. Uh, this comes from OutKick. Idaho graduation ceremony, ceremony postponed after students protested discipline of student who made unapproved gender comments. And guys, this is just so horrific. So I just want you to brace yourselves, okay? Because these comments were just so transphobic. This student had the audacity to say that boys are boys and girls are girls and there's no in between. That's what Kellogg High School senior Travis Lohr said. And because he stated the simple biological reality, the school will not be allowing him to walk at his graduation ceremony. So welcome to the United States in 2023. But if you have the audacity to speak a basic biological truth, you are not allowed to walk in your high school graduation ceremony. And also apparently saying that two dads or two moms cannot procreate is now uh, homophobic. This comes from page six. Justin Bieber's dad posts a homophobic message during Pride Month. Thank a straight person. So it is now homophobic to say that biologically two men cannot create a baby, my friends. And um, 
you know, I kind of had to go full homophobe today and say, actually, that's true. Two men can't have sex and create a baby. Two women can't have sex and create a baby. It's biologically impossible. Maybe we should, um, you know, take various members of the same sex that identify as gay, put them all in an island and see how that ends up in a um, hundred years or so. Let's see if they can procreate or not. Um, because, you know, based on the left's version of that, uh, somehow babies are just going to pop up out of nowhere and it's homophobic to say the opposite, that they can't procreate, but whatever. So, um, there you guys go. Welcome to uh, the United States in 2023. Um, another sad story that um, came out of the news just yesterday. Uh, a Christian man was arrested after quoting a Bible at Pennsylvania Pride March. And I tweeted this out with the phrase that if you openly mock Christianity, you will be celebrated by the highest institutions and organizations in the United States of America. But you can't read Bible verses to the same community that's mocking Christianity without being arrested. Now, I posted this video, right? And a lot of people said, well, this guy was going with the intention to start problems and he was being aggressive, yelling Bible verses at the gays, but at the LGBTQ community, that's freedom of speech. And if you think that this guy was aggressive and he shouldn't have been there and he shouldn't have been allowed to read Bible verses on a public street, then you don't believe in free speech. You don't. So anybody who, you know, is in the comments with, oh, well, he was there to start trouble. Are you kidding me right now? So uh, if the government comes in and um, tries to take your kid away because you don't want to transition them and they say, yeah, mom, I think that I'm a boy today because I like wearing jeans. And then you push back and tell the government like, yeah, uh, no, I'm not going to allow you to do that. Or you go and you try to make an issue about what's happening exposed to the public, what's going on with your kid. Uh, are you, you know, making trouble for the public? Are you making trouble for your child? No, you're utilizing your free speech to go and get your message out and message across. That's probably a bad example, but you guys get what I'm saying with this. And uh, it's ridiculous that there are people in the modern day who genuinely look at this type of story and think, yeah, um, you should be allowed to read Bible verses on a public street. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so a little example of what's going on. And, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, the other day I was like, uh, Muslims would never put up with this type of stuff. But not even the Muslims are safe anymore. The LGBTQ community is fully infiltrating everything. They got Christianity and uh, I guess Islam is next. And we are now seeing pride accounts combating homophobia via lessons from the Prophet Muhammad. So we'll see how kindly the Muslim community takes to this uh, haram. Uh, hopefully we don't take it as lightly as the Christian community did. And hopefully the Christian community does stand up um, more in the modern day because it's really sad to see stories such as this one. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to be playing on the Dodgers Pride Night um, from Megan Basham on Twitter. Clayton Kershaw says he will play in the game where the Dodgers will honor a group that mocks and sexualizes his savior. He says, as a follower of Christ, we're supposed to love everybody. So to love well, you have to bow down to the golden idol. This is what Megan stated in regards to this. And uh, again, I also agree that Clayton Kershaw should not be playing in this game. But also, you know, I guess as a professional baseball player, that's the decision that he wants to make. So, so there you guys go. It's just sad to see that some people lack that conviction. And again, it is 
difficult to make that type of stand. Not everybody wants to do it, but also it's like the organization you're working for is mocking your entire religion by honoring a group that laughs in the face of everything that you believe in. And you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to ignore that and play the game because they're having a Christian night to combat it. Okay. So another very interesting story that broke today, this comes from um, the Wall Street Journal, actually. Instagram algorithm exposed promoting pedophile networks in massive investigation. Video sales, preteen sex menus, in-person meetup with underage boys and girls using emojis such as a map and cheese pizza. Postmillennial wrote their own version of this saying that Instagram algorithm promotes pedo networks and connects predators with their victims. Now, Natalie Denise, her name is spelled N-A-T-L-Y, Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, did a really great uh, video expose on Instagram and Pizzagate, if you will. Uh, this video is still up on YouTube, and I would highly suggest that you guys go and watch her video because it's very disturbing. Um, she actually like ended up reporting a lot of these child predators because they really do use these pizza emojis. The FBI has even like come forward. I don't know if they necessarily said that. I can't remember. They came out with symbolism for pedophilia. I don't know if pizza was necessarily a part of that, but like cheese pizza is some of the symbol uh, symbolism that they use. Here's the Wall Street Journal investigation of this. Go read this article. Go watch Natalie's video about this. But oftentimes, these pedophiles will be on Instagram. They'll utilize the symbolism so they all know who's safe to talk to. And then they'll like talk to each other. They'll find each other on Instagram, talk to each other on Telegram, and then like connect with kids. And it's it's absolutely horrific what is going on. So yeah, protect your kids. This is why parents are getting so angry and upset with where we're getting to in the modern day because you do have social media sites like Instagram that are being used as giant pedophile networks. So watch what your kids are being exposed to. You do have teachers that are trying to teach children a completely inappropriate LGBTQ type quote unquote education. Um, so parents, please be active in what your children are looking at, who they're speaking to, because we are living in a very dangerous time. We're living in a great time for the truth to thrive, but we're also living in a really bad time because there is a lot of access uh, for children to be exposed to a lot of these types of networks. So go read that piece from the Post Millennial or the Wall Street Journal, um, because it's absolutely horrific. Now, I want to jump into the migrant crisis a little bit here as well, because um, funny enough, DeSantis uh, threw a bunch of illegal immigrants on a flight to California, and Gavin Newsom is absolutely pissed by it, okay? So apparently, Gavin Newsom is saying that Florida officials committed crimes by sending migrants to California. He's trying to say that uh, Governor... Ron DeSantis committed kidnapping by forcing illegal immigrants onto planes and sending them to California, which is absolutely hilarious. He says he's going to be investigating these migrant flights. Uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom plans to launch an investigation into flights of migrants flown to Sacramento, orchestrated by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, saying he believes it's clear that a crime was committed. I know one was on the basis of all the interviews and all the facts that are now in evidence, Newsom told Jacob Sorberoff of today in an exclusive interview. Now we have to prove it. So it's absolutely hilarious to me that 
The federal government has been flying illegal immigrants into California, by the way, uh, for years at this point. But because it's a Republican governor that's doing this now, all of a sudden it's human trafficking, it's kidnapping, it's illegal. It needs to be investigated. Now, Ron DeSantis people actually came out with a hilarious response to this. Watch this video of the illegal immigrants who were kidnapped and forced to California. So for my podcast listeners, what we're seeing on screen is these migrants willingly (laughs) on a party bus on their way to the airport, (laughs) having a great time. They're walking up to their charter flight. There they go, guys, heading to California, flashing those peace signs. Looking like they're having a great time. This guy said, we made it to California. Thank God. Very thankful to God. There they are giving thumbs up because they finally landed. They're in their new state. They're taking their bags. That say DeSantis, Florida. They made their way to California. An agent is asking them, at any point did you feel like they treated poorly? They said, no, no, they treated us super well. We wanted to make sure you were all treated well. And they all say, yes, we were treated well. They got their free flight over to California. Again, you guys know how I feel about governors flying migrants, you know, across the country. But also it is uh, hilarious to see the hypocrisy of Gavin Newsom, who I'm also sure is the uh, governor of a sanctuary state, mind you. So, you know, they like to give a a lot of those illegals um, freedom from the law. Now complaining and calling uh, illegal immigrants being taken to a state a crime that needs to be investigated. It's just absolutely hilarious to me. Uh, from my friend Jorge Ventura, one of the best border reporters on the ground, he said, I reported earlier on the strong accusations from Gavin Newsom accusing Governor Ron DeSantis of kidnapping um, via the video provided to News Nation showing migrants smiling and consenting to flights taken to California. Uh, sources of law enforcement in California told me yesterday they don't believe those charges could stick due to migrants not being forced onto the flights. And you guys saw the video yourself of the migrants smiling. They're happy. They're thanking um, Florida for sending them to California because that's the area they wanted to go to. They got that nice charter flight and uh, they made their way off. And now Gavin Newsom apparently has a big issue with this. Now, a quick look again at New York, because guess what, guys? They just scored $104 million in FEMA funding for their migrant crisis. And keep in mind, uh, FEMA funding means your taxpayer dollars, which uh, I I just wanted to take a look at the U.S. debt clock here just to give us all an idea of how we were doing on that spectrum. Uh, Because, you know, not only are we printing trillions of dollars in money because that's how the Federal Reserve thinks the economy works. It's just like, yeah, just print more money and then uh, we won't run out of it, guys. It's not going to, you know, cause record high inflation rates or anything like that. U.S. national debt almost at $32 trillion, debt per citizen at over $95,000. And um, we now have billions of dollars continuing to go to illegal immigrants that are breaking into our country. So um, there you guys go. Now, apparently this is a third of the $363 million left in the pot allocated by FEMA's Emergency Food and Shelter Program dedicated to helping municipalities around the U.S. and nonprofits providing shelter and other services to homeless migrants who crossed into the country from the southern border. Although it's far less than the $650 million total initially requested by New York City Mayor Eric Adams earlier this year, the Big Apple has now received the largest grant from the program compared to other 
jurisdictions. And keep in mind, too, like I said, guys, um, when the news tries to tell you that it's FEMA, it's the government that is uh, providing this money and this assistance. No, it's it's you. Remember, you know how every tax season um, you have to pay the government or like every time you, you work, you have to pay the government a portion of your paycheck. It's going towards the illegal immigrants breaking into our country or it's going to Ukraine. I don't know. You know, the government kind of gets to decide where that goes. Now, in Florida, uh, with the illegal immigration, Ron DeSantis did propose utilizing E-Verify for employers that have 25 employees or more. Right. And I reported on this previously and I was like, okay, this is what Ron DeSantis is proposing to make sure that people working in his state are actually here legally. Now, interesting thing that was brought up, this is from Thomas Massey, uh, libertarian, right? He says, National E-Verify assumes every American is an illegal immigrant unless their identity can be matched to a government database. I will vote against it today. And so I actually was reading into this because a lot of people talk about how our border being flooded, our open border policy here in the United States is a part of the controlled collapse of the United States. And there's no other way to explain it. Right. And I was thinking about this E-Verify thing and I was like, oh, well, that could be a good way to combat this. And the entirety of the GOP, it seemed like, was on board with this E-Verify program. But I was looking more into it and I was like, wait a minute, is this potentially a way for I guess, you know, the the upper echelons of our government who are not a part of the Republican or Democratic wing of our government, but just want to overrule or rule over the entire United States. And, you know, again, for the the destruction of the U.S., is this their way of trying to bring in a surveillance state and getting the right wing to accept it? That's kind of my conspiracy of the day. Let me read to you why. This comes from Reason. Thomas Massey says National E-Verify would be bad for American workers, and he's right. Certain employment measures in the House GOP's border bill that are meant to verify citizenship status would harm American workers and employees. Now, House Republicans were rallying around the Secure the Border Act of 2023, a sprawling immigration enforcement bill uh, that was going to be brought up for a vote later this week. And this was written at the beginning of May. Uh, So um, the bill wouldn't just target undocumented immigrants, Representative Thomas Massey pointed out. He tweeted that a section requiring employers to use a verify system to verify workers' citizenship status would be like giving the government the ultimate on-off switch for employment. Uh, And he goes on to talk about how mandatory national e-verify would mean more government meddling in the affairs of private businesses and more state control in general that's being sold to us as a security measure. However, it's being argued that E-Verify is actually laying the foundations for natural biometric databases, central bank digital currencies, and a social credit system, giving the state almost absolute power over your life. So Thomas Massey equating this to potentially the Patriot Act 2.0. And uh, he stated that the National E-Verify bill contains vague references to two pilot programs of non-photographic technology you must use to provide your identity to DHS in order to get a job. What is it? Fingerprints, DNA, retina. Why not just say it in the bill? So uh, very interesting what he is pointing out here, um, how E-Verify could be weaponized against the average American citizen because it is going to require on a federal level um, all Americans to potentially give up biometrics to work or to be employed. So interesting thing I discovered there. Wanted to note that for you. See what you guys thought on that one. 
And um, we're almost done here uh, with the show. Wanted to highlight what else is going on in New York because, you know, we have covered the drug crisis on this show extensively. Apparently, New York City unveiled vending machines with free crack pipes and drug kits. Now, if you guys have watched any of my other mini documentaries from Portland, Seattle, Philadelphia, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, you would see how harm prevention programs work. Uh, they don't work well. It's actually extremely horrible. Um, the New York Post reported that actually uh, this was a white flag of surrender and that um, there's a countdown for free syringes to be added to this vending machine. Now, apparently, it was cleaned out in one day. Vending machine is cleaned out, okay? New York City drug addicts cleaned out a new drug paraphernalia vending machine overnight, its first day of operation. Four public health machines placed in some of the most drug-invested neighborhoods of the Big Apple dispense free drug smoking kits complete with crack pipes, mouthpieces, lip balm, anti-overdose medication Narcan, as well as other items such as condoms, tampons, and nicotine gum. Already empty. So there you guys go. Uh, New York will continue to implode. And it's sad to see that this is the state that we want our citizens to live in, right? We're constantly told that um, America is a horrible country that lacks opportunity, that minorities in this country are oppressed. But then we are also simultaneously overlooking the programs in which the government is keeping a lot of at-risk or vulnerable communities dependent on the government by keeping them homeless or keeping them dependent on drugs. This is something that I've reported on extensively. So uh, it's really sad to see. And, you know, if you couple that with the victimization mentality that the media is constantly feeding us, which also keeps you dependent on the government because you think that you need the government to come in and be more restrictive over the entire population, restrict language, restrict rights in the name of safety, in the name of tolerance and inclusivity. Uh, it's just a recipe for disaster. Now, Tim Scott was on The View and he actually combated beautifully the reality of life for every single American because, of course, the race Spading view, view tried to say that America is a horrible racist country. This is a talking point that they routinely run with. But uh, Tim Scott, oh, you know what? I actually don't even have the clip, sadly. I was supposed to have it uploaded. It's not here. But he basically went on the view and he said, you know what? We've had a black president. Uh, he listed off uh, various other high level positions that had been held by members of the black community. He talked about how the education rate of the black community is much higher that, uh, you know, where we were in the 1950s versus the modern day it, for the black community is in a much better place. And that his life isn't the exception. That you know, he has this exceptional life and he was able to accomplish all of these things, not because he's the exception, but because he lives in a country where the opportunity is awarded to anybody who wants to work for it. Uh, so it was uh, quite an interesting segment there. I wish I had it for you guys. And apparently I don't. So my apologies on that one. Two more things we'll run through and we'll wrap up the show here. Uh, apparently, Biden's DOJ has told Donald Trump he will be indicted next week on charges of gathering, transmitting or losing national defense documents. So they're just going to keep politically persecuting Donald Trump, my friends. They're going to keep indicting this man. They really want to do everything in their power to keep him from running in 2024. And um, the open and blatant political persecution of a presidential candidate is disgusting to me. And to be quite honest, it's like if this was reversed and it was, 
I, I couldn't even say, oh, if this was Joe Biden, the DOJ coming after Joe Biden, it's like he's committed so many crimes that he does need to be indicted for that it would be justified. Uh, whereas with Donald Trump, it's like, we had the uh, FBI involved with spreading the Russian collusion hoax about this man. Uh, you had uh, the New York City attorney general coming after Trump about payments to Stormy Daniels, which were absolute. It's like, come on, guys, it was ridiculous. And now you have more uh, indictments coming Donald Trump's way. And we all know what this is really about. So this is something that should be alarming to everybody, regardless of which side of the political aisle that you're on. Because if the government has this much power to come after uh, somebody trying to run for president and stop them from being democratically elected from office. It's uh, something something to note there. And I know a lot of you guys get mad at me when I say the democratically elected or whatever. I'm aware that we're a republic. I know I'm using that talking point because it's what the left likes to say um, while actively working against the quote unquote democracy that they pretend to promote. Now, last thing I want to show to you guys, because I just thought it was crazy, just ending the show on an insane note. Um it was funny because this model came out, right? And this came out a couple months back. It was like model shows what gamers could look like in 20 years. And it's like this, this scary hunched back model with an indent on his head from headphones. Uh, he's like obese. He has like, it's a weird beer belly, a hunchback, absolutely horrific looking. And then um, this video came out of, I believe he is a Twitch streamer. And watch this video, you guys. He's shaving his head on the stream for charity, and look what he finds. Dude, the shaver's working like a champ. Dude, I have like an indent right here. This is where my headphones go. I have a fucking headphone indent in my head? What the fuck? I always thought that was just my hair. I thought it was my hair did that. Okay, so I just had to show you guys that video because I was like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely insane. So to all the gamers out there, make sure to take your headphones off. I only wear mine for my show, which I only do about once a week at this point. Sorry, guys, I wish I could do it more, but I just saw that and it was absolutely crazy. So had to uh, show you guys that one. Anyways, that's all I got for you on this episode of Rapid Fire. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in, for liking, sharing, subscribing, leaving those podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts. Again, I read every single one and I appreciate all of you who are courteous enough to share the show and support it. Thank you everybody for always being here for supporting the channel. Remember you can find the show on rumble as well. If you don't want to support YouTube, I get that too. Uh, head over to rumble. And uh, that's all I got for you guys today. And um, I'm off for my next set of travels, my friends. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll see you guys next time.